is another episode. <laughs> another episode. I don't even know what episode we're on. We're like on 10. Close to 10. Though. If this is Nine. 10, that's awesome. We celebrate. Uh, if it's not 10, it's awesome anyway. Uh, so grateful, so glad to, uh, to be able to be back. I had um, a bit of a hiatus taking family on vacation. I had some things to take care of. And um, another week without your boy, Ivan. Ivan, yep. Ivan the unreliable at this <laughs> point. My, my brother. Terrible. Terrible. Ivan the horrible. He's been out for like four weeks. Haven't seen this man. Uh, he's been busy messing around with his fam and, uh, and doing things. But I uh, want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, um, Matthew Movement. Wear what you believe. Visit MatthewMovement.com. Uh, they are helping supply our promo. So uh, if you would like to uh, also contribute and be a sponsor of Proof Beyond Reason, uh, and maybe there's some special ways that you can help us push and promote this podcast, please, please, please hit us up mm-hmm. at uh, proofbeyondreason at gmail.com. That's all one word, uh, proofbeyondreason at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our Facebook. So just look us up on Facebook. Um, YouTube. Yeah, we are currently on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and um, and pretty soon we're going to have our meeting to discuss doing Facebook Live. Ooh, yeah. interesting. You guys get to see our faces finally. Yeah, not that I'm that pretty, but uh, I mean, you want to see G's. I, you don't want to see G's hair anymore. His hair's gone. He cut off his hair. So. That's true. I had to cut it off. Uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, I don't know what the traction would be uh, for us to film our faces, but... We're going to do it anyway at some point, so we're going to be move fo- moving forward uh, to discuss that within the next few episodes. But today, we are going to be talking about, uh, does God exist? And so, uh, so definitely need to talk about who is God, does he exist? Uh, in the previous episodes, we've, we've built a pretty strong argument for different things, particularly when it comes to the problem of evil and cults and so forth, and uh, but but today we'll dive into the more specifics of that, uh, and so let's just get right into it. It's weird, but I feel like I'm coming in contact more often with more believers than I have in a long time. People at work, people on the street, just it's like a language. It's uh, it's a representation that's just kind of coming up, where I feel like in places that I wouldn't think there are Christians there are Christians but when you hear them speak they're Christians that live they exist with doubt yeah I can see that a lot I mean not even necessarily in the Christians we can also see that in a lot of atheists and a lot of other people in different religions they have doubts in a sense where they speak about the Christian God or God in itself and they are kind of iffy because of the things they hear or the things they see on TV, especially now where we're seeing a whole bunch of secular artists talking about God in itself. Yeah, I think I think the absolute truth piece of life, uh, people are missing out on. People don't want to say the wrong thing, so people don't want to offend other people. And there's a sense also of not wanting to be wrong. So saying things and approaching things cautiously without being bold to say, yo, this is this. This is what I believe. This is what I see happening. There's like a tiptoeing around topics. And even like I think what you said, atheists tiptoeing around certain things where it's weird because the atheists natural they used Ain't to always go aggressive. In, yeah, yeah. There, there, there was the, there was those guys, the uh, like the critics, the the scoffers, the atheists that were scoffers. Mm-hmm. They just like kicked the door down and whatever. But yep. it's almost like we're going back to what the atheists were back in like the 1800s, where they say, "Well, I know there is a god or something out there. There's evidence for it. I'm just choosing not to believe." And so more so like an agnostic, but yet to the right. sense where they don't want to step in right? because they don't know. And clearly, I, I prefer people acknowledge who God is and worship him and, and have their life surrendered to Christ 
that's what I want. Yeah, of course. Um, but if I'm going to have any logical conversations with people, if I'm going to uh, be able to be effective, I, I feel like I prefer to have a starting point of someone who's an agnostic versus someone who's a flat-out atheist uh, critic. Because there are atheists who, who are... Like, I think the real atheists that they are so deep into science that they could actually say, as, as what scientists would claim to say, I'm not sure if we really know or that we could really know. There's really no way of knowing. And that's why I think some scientists would have an open, you know, like vocabulary when it comes to certain things because they've seen things change with certain experiments or over time certain conclusions that once were affirmed are now different um you know <laughs> growing up you have the example of of people saying eggs are bad for you and then later on research shows eggs are great for you and your cholesterol later on it's like eggs are bad for you again i just saw a video about that so. for real <laughs> yes i did what did it say? <laughs> some guy coming from the future supposedly keep telling. Uh, he keeps interrupting some guy's meal, saying cholesterol is bad for you. And then he was like, "Don't eat the eggs. Just throw them away." And then he'll go back to the future. And then like five seconds later, once the eggs are like already thrown out, he comes back. He's like, "No, no, 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 no. I was wrong. We found out that there's good cholesterol and then there's bad cholesterol." So he's like, "The eggs are fine," but it, the guy's just looking at his plate like. My eggs have just been thrown away. So uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> what's going on? I mean, the, you know, the, you're kind of used to that kind of inconsistency and uncertainty. And so I guess the true atheist would be like, honestly, man, I want to believe in whatever, but, but I'm just not sure. There's just so much information coming up. I'm just unclear. And perhaps they're not looking at the present evidence and they're not looking at the arguments that are being presented, which is what we'll talk about a little bit today. But I think um, just overall, people are walking around with this level of uncertainty and doubt, particularly, at least in my experience, the Christians are walking around with this sense of doubt where, where they will affirm their faith and then turn around and say, oh, yeah, or whatever it is that you believe in, whatever whatever mm -hmm. it is you, you, you hold to, as if it's cool. As if I believe what I believe and you believe what you believe, but Scripture doesn't teach that. See, scripture teaches there's one God, and everything else would be a counterfeit of who he yep. is. It would be an evil replica, uh, a distorted replica, and aiming you in a different direction, a lifestyle of works, a lifestyle of self-righteousness, a lifestyle of laws building you to follow specific religious rhetoric and even there are some congregations that would be guilty of creating laws around things where there is no law or creating a different god from the actual scripture right or creating their own god absolutely finding different ways to manipulate people yep. you know not all pastors are looking to worship jesus they teach a false doctrine in itself I yeah. mean, we see that a lot, like putting, we always talk about how the love of money is the root of all evil, but then we have people pr uh, preaching about, oh, uh, if you give to God a certain amount, then you would get healed or get baptized or call in the next five minutes and you can get saved. It's crazy. Just a perversion of, of the, the God of the Bible, the perversion of what is taught in the word in general. And, but even, even some congregations that are, their heart is really for Jesus and they're looking mm -hmm. to abolish all kind of false teaching and all of that, in many cases will create laws around things where there is no law and create restrictions, create um, almost a, a sense of, 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 of false obligations to certain practices that are not um, outlined specifically in Scripture. And so I think that bad taste in the mouth creates, yep. um, you know, un an uncertainty for a lot of believers, unfortunately. But it really comes down to us doing our due diligence, doing our own research, 
having these kind of conversations where we can dig in and say, look, I found this. And, and you can say, well, now, nah, man, that's wrong. And, and holding each other accountable in those ways. So, um, And I mean, we see a lot of people talking about that. So they'll be saying that I went to church for this amount of time or X amount of time. And my parents always taught me that there was a God, but they don't know exactly who that God is. We're always taught that we have to believe in God as we're going into church. And you can see the pastor preaching about God. But let's honestly say when was the last time that the pastor or a preacher or a teacher just sat down or had one sermon strictly on the sovereignty on god or who god is exactly yeah it's rare it's rare um you know uh, topical teachings are cool um expository teachings are cool um you know but when do you merge the two mm -hmm. to not be so much about philosophy and so much about psychology but you can dig deep into what is scripture saying and how does that mirror to what uh, is out there there's information out there that that culturally we can compare scripture to and say wow scripture is still relevant yep. like clearly relevant today in a way that that you wouldn't expect from other historical documents or ancient documents, but that it speaks to the heart of people, speaks to morality, it speaks to behaviors, it speaks to um, how to treat families, how to raise children, uh, how to treat the the earth, you know, even. So there, I mean, there's so much out there that when we compare, even business acumen, how to properly run a business how to uh be a good teacher and all that uh, you find a lot of of great lessons in scripture that it's scripture is not doesn't have everything you can find and some people will be even so sarcastic to say well i can't find everything in scripture and you know i, I want to be an ac repairman and i couldn't go to scripture to learn how to be an ac mm -hmm. repairman yeah, you couldn't go to scripture for that, but you can go to learn how to be a man. The principles in itself. And the principles on how to be a good worker, how to maybe even start your own business and be effective and not be greedy, but to treat people fairly and, and those kinds of things um, that I think is absent from, from the culture. Um, I'm looking at Romans. I just pulled up Romans now. Um, Romans 1. Romans Romans one twenty one says for what can be known or rather nineteen one Romans one nineteen for what can be known about God is plain to them and he's talking about the you know people because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the earth in the things that have been made so they were without excuse for although they knew god they did not honor him as god or give him thanks but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creepy things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their impure hearts, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creation rather than the creator who is to be blessed. And it goes on to talk about how man gave themselves to dishonorable passions sexually, more specifically. But we can see how in order to become wise in our own thinking and in order to create a following for ourselves and not to honor God for who he is, but uh, to, to, to live in, in the sin that we love so much. Jesus talked about how we love the darkness and when the light came into the world we ran from from the light we we want darkness we rather 
shut out the light in order to remain in darkness, uh, which is exactly what they did to Jesus. He was uh, the light, and uh, and we shut him out, and that's exactly what we do every day. Exactly. And I mean, I see like a lot of people. They usually always tell me, "Oh, uh, Geo, you're pretty smart. You could do this and that. You researched." countless of things why do you believe in the flying old man sitting on his throne <laughs> flying old man. and they usually always go with what examples can you give me what evidence can you give me that uh god exists and i usually always go to jesus and then they'll be like but jesus was just a man and i usually always go to yes but he was more than a man he was god in a man and then many people like to question it's like oh how can you prove that he was god and i usually always refer to what i was explaining to you earlier mike with the 10 uh 10 irrefutable ways that you can reveal to someone that uh that god exists 10 ways let's go g 10 ways let's run down through them one of them is jesus himself the person of jesus jesus was the only person in history himself uh itself that changed the whole world we can go on and talk about Gandhi. We can talk about Martin Luther King. We can talk about Malcolm X, Caesar. But who's that one person that no matter what, no matter what religion, no matter what culture, you can actually say people know? Jesus. And even that in itself, what can we attain from that knowledge? We can attain that one, the well, three things that we can actually decide on what jesus was a lot of people are like going to the questions was jesus a liar a lunatic or was he actually speaking the truth and we always have to derive in one of the three one of the threes is actually have to be true so then we go to question was he a liar well we can go with many of the jewish religious leaders at the time he was speaking according to scripture so he wasn't a liar was he a lunatic just because of that claim that I am, a lot of people like going back and forth saying that, oh, he claimed he was God. The Jewish people at the time, or the Jewish leaders at the time, they knew that statement and they wanted to stone him. So then if he was a liar, which we know he wasn't a liar, and if he wasn't a lunatic because he wasn't doing any crazy things or wasn't, he was actually helping people, we can attain that one of the other, that he was actually speaking in truth. And if he was actually speaking in truth, we could see one of two things. One, he is the physical representation of the, the attributes of the Father. And even that in itself, we can go further on to point number two, which is what I love talking about, honestly. I love talking about it, which is the empty tomb. A lot of people go about saying, oh, uh, it was just a people that wanted to get a whole following they wanted to get money start the whole movement of christianity but let's be honest would they actually go against roman guards who are highly trained if we study history move a two-ton stone to remove a body and then start their own religion and are willing to die for it that's pretty radical that's not a bunch of dudes dressed in cloth hanging out exactly. in yep. the mountains, smoking weed, um, and then writing some accounts that may have may not ha- may or may not have happened. Yep. You're talking about a strong government in the Roman government, you know, Roman Empire, Caesar, like this is what we're talking about. His people guarding the tomb. And these soldiers were highly trained, like not in the sense where you see the soldiers now, say for example, they, they have their training sessions. Roman soldiers, even from birth, were taken and trained up just to be basically soldiers. They were trained as soldiers, soldier mentality, meaning if you went against Caesar or the government itself, you were killed. Like, I mean, but, you know, some fishermen just came by and knocked them out, you know by, what I'm saying? Yeah, them out. Just did what they did. Some ladies came by and snatched them up moved the moved the the stone from in front of the the tomb uh, very easily moved that um and you know when when rome went searching for the people that were dragging this body likely uh you know there was there was uh 
you know, they have to pull this body. There's probably a trail. There's, you know, maybe body parts flying off, maybe blood. Or, you know, if he's he was dead for, you know, for a number of days, if there was a physical body, um, you know, somebody's going to have some kind of claim that, yo, I saw these cats over here just dragging this dude. Where do they put him? Like, where do they – they just threw him in the water? They – they really, they really believed he was G, he was God, and they just took his body and dumped it in the water, or they just buried it, and they were like, "Yo, we're just gonna bury it and then lie about it's the crazy. whole account." When he stepped up the moral game when he was here, he was like, "God knows the depths of your heart. He's gonna judge you based on not what just what you do, but what you think." And so he stepped it up, and they're following that guy, but they lied about what happened with his death and their body. Mm-hmm. That that's 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 those aren't real followers. So then I guess you can say that the people who wrote scripture weren't real followers of Jesus, but they were willing to die for the purposes of promoting his name and worshiping him, even though he said don't lie. They lied to get people to worship. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Doesn't make sense. It's completely radical. And then we go on to the next uh, point, which is in itself the witnesses. There was not one or two witnesses, as some people think there is, that, oh, the four Gospels, they made it up. They just thought it all, and they wrote it down. We can attest to there being 300, 300 to 500 witnesses, at least. And we know, we say at least because at that time, early writing they didn't really count women and children they would just count the men Mm. and that in itself is crazy we can hear paul telling 30 years later telling people how if you don't believe him you can ask or go ask other believers that were around during jesus's time that witnessed everything that was going down that witnessed him being crucified that witnessed him in the flesh being resurrected the the apostles themselves touched jesus which if they were hallucinating psychologically speaking that's impossible Mm. it's Mm -hmm. not a vision they weren't high they were actually touching and physically like talking to jesus and that's crazy like people always go to oh you're thinking or i don't really believe or i don't want to believe in god to that sense because if there's an all-powerful god then why is he letting evil around in the world? This is what a lot of people usually always tend to go for. Which, that I will touch on later on. <laughs> but uh, we can keep going down the list, which is the universe itself. The way it's made. The laws. Nothing cannot create... Well, nothing can create nothing. Or Pretty can much. create nothing. Nothing can create nothing. Pretty much. I mean, we always go to science saying that, oh, we can't believe in God because science refutes God. But yet, we look at the laws of thermodynamics, or we look at science in itself, and what does science tell us? There's always has to be a beginning. And yet, many people go to like, oh, the Big Bang. And then, you'll see of various changes throughout the years. So say, for example... Like in the 1990s is what I would read about in the textbook, which was they would always go to saying that the universe started from nothing. And then as I kept seeing during 2000s, it was a change in the textbooks where it was there was a size of a quarter energy and then it expanded and exploded. And then that from that single point is where everything came about. So they try to change up what they believed. There's so many things missing in that. Like, there's a lot missing from that, that for anyone to just gloss over that idea. I mean, you know, the Christian thought is challenged significantly to say, you know, how do you believe in God that says this or he does that? But just to think for a few moments, that concept of, cosmic evolution that time space matter began from nothing and when you talk about the energy that was produced to make that run to make that happen 
and all the other things that came out of that, like all of the elements in the periodic table and so forth to create life. It, none of that makes sense at all. And actually, it trumps it each other. They trump one another. Um, there's actually there's six meanings of evolution that um, that it's taught, but only one of them is real. So you have cosmic evolution, uh, which talks about the origin of time, space, matter, as I just mentioned. That was the Big Bang. Uh, chemical evolution, where all the elements evolved from hydrogen, which it's not real. Not real at all. Stellar evolution, where the stars and planets formed from glass, from gas clouds. You have organic evolution, where life begins from uh, from just matter. Mm-hmm. So, from the swamp uh, that 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 formed from millions of years of rain, like consistent millions of years of rain fell on rocks and from that soup came life and from that life came humans and now we have now we fly airplanes and we have computers from soup so from rain on from rain yeah primordial soup so from rain on rocks to soup to apple computers we just throw in between billions of years just the term billions of years and anything can happen like you can't question it. it's just billions of years like what are you what are you questioning it's billions of years in between like what's the problem um anyway macro evolution you have animals plants that change from one type to another which we never observe we've never seen that i've never seen a horse birth a non-horse i've never seen a dog birth a non-dog um i've never seen a human birth a non-human that would be crazy see that my daughter was born just straight up like dog come out like crazy but then we have the last point which is microevolution which does exist which is real which has been proven which science can affirm 100% and it is true science and everyone can believe it where macroevolution says there are variations within certain species so if a species exists already and even if there are species that maybe mate with another species and they form a new species. They're still creating within their own kind. Mm-hmm. They're not producing something that's not within their kind, but they're producing within their own kind. So the breeds of dogs we have now. Breeds right. Of cats. All the different breeds of dogs, breeds of cats. And even to the degree where there's variations within a kind. So if we live for several you know, 100 years or whatever in a certain environment, we're eating the foods of the environment, where we have the weather of the environment, our skin might change to adapt to, uh, you know, and not maybe not my skin, but my great great grandkids skin might be a little bit tougher, because they from birth, they were uh, exposed to that kind of weather. Um, You know, the foods that are eaten and, and just that terrain. So maybe the feet, even you know, their feet might might be a little bit uh, more rugged, maybe a little stronger. Um, you know, maybe all, all the years of labor, you might have people that are born that a little bit have shoulders and strong backs or whatever. Like those are those are things that are variations that are within a kind. That's macroevolution, kind of adapting to its area. Um, but that's really the only form of evolution that is legit and proven, and it's not storytelling. Everything else is storytelling. But science will say the Bible is storytelling, even though there's hist- it's historically accurate, uh, philosophically proven, mm-hmm. um, and you can trace back to the location and the origins. And even as G said, the eyewitnesses, there's lineage that goes back to who taught whom. You know, when I look at um, martial arts and you look at who taught who, who's the black belt? that learned under this ma- this master so this master taught this guy who became a black belt who taught this guy to uh whatever who became steven seagal who was bruce lee who was whatever there's a certain lineage of teaching that is associated and when you trace back that lineage you go back to the to the epicenter who yep. was the original um you know we have that when we look at scripture people that are mentioned in scripture primary one would be clement of rome clement is mentioned in scripture 
um, and and uh, you know, and he was someone that learned under Paul, and was someone that was influential in the church. He was uh, someone who uh, was a church planter, someone that you can look up and and see all his writings and how he summarized scripture and all these kinds of different things. But you trace, you can trace back. You can see some of the disciples of John, uh, and and their lineage that goes there i think uh, i forget who was the, the a direct descendant of john um but uh but then you know he influenced he had serious church influence and then you go trace back who did he teach well he taught these people and then they taught these people and so forth so you have certain lineages in that way that have nothing to do with with birthrights or anything like that mm-hmm. but you have the teaching lineage uh, that you can trace back, and all that's been already discovered and unraveled and revealed and and shown and look. It's been tested, non-stop. right? So it always goes back. All right, this is the person Jesus. So that's the person that that was the original teacher. That was the original person. So the history history validates itself. This evolution talk is story. It's fantasy. It's like this. Uh, one doctor says he keeps saying that chance has become their god instead of God Himself. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we worship uh, non-absolutes. We don't want absolutes. We want uh, everything to be relative. And, you know, there is definitely a need for absolute. Um, so, unfortunately, the more you create things that are relative, the more you're going to have mo- relative morality and all kinds of craziness. But, anyway, run through the points. Keep going. Yeah. Keeping going on, uh, we can even talk about Paul. Paul himself. Paul was, as you know, just an officer. He killed countless of Christians. But then we have someone who didn't meet Christ in person, had a vision, God presented himself, and then converted. Now, you could talk about saying, for example, it would be the same occasion as Hitler himself converting or Jesus appearing to Hitler and Hitler leaving everything behind and just instead of persecuting the Jews he would help convert them or speak the gospel and talk to them about Christ going on we have as well as we were talking about the historical accuracy of scripture himself we have over 40 books compiled by different authors different time periods well, 66 books written by 40 different authors. And a majority of them, or not even a majority of them, well, majority of them were written by Paul, but we have, like I was saying, different authors, different times, and yet it's all been tested. I've been questioned, I've been asked, oh, uh, scripture was written by man. Okay, scripture was written by man, but these are witness accounts. These are things that God himself revealed to the man. And a lot of people like putting in, but what about the extra books or the lost books? And one thing I usually always go about on that scenario is there what lost books. There was no lost books. At the time, what many people don't realize is the Gnostics, the lost books that they quote unquote found are not really books that should be in scripture or books added on. Like you see, say, the Catholic Church, they have some like the Maccabees and all these other books, but those books do not reflect scripture as a whole contrary to belief and a lot of people like throwing it in or asking oh uh i read the book of enoch or i read where jesus was a kid and jesus killed someone and then brought them back to life that is not scripturally accurate at all we could see say ravi zachariah he was talking about it briefly i was looking at a uh, sermon jam or a sermon that he wrote speaking about how scripture was tested by scholars and 99.7% 99.7% of scripture historically accurate not 50 not 40 not 60 99 and a lot of people like saying what's that 1% or that what's that 0.3% and then what it usually always is is prophecy and what can we see about prophecy which is another point prophecy is being completed every single day since the earliest of writings of scripture jesus coming to being 
or Jesus uh, presenting himself or coming in Revelation. We could see the government's falling, the, the dreams of Daniel, what it represents, the Roman Empire, the Babylonian, the Syrians. We can even see to now, nowadays. You even have uh, in scripture where, uh, where, where people, they'll talk about not just the historical, they'll question the historical relevance of scripture, but, well, you know, there's so many different people that wrote it. Um, it's been translated so many times that it's not accurate. But in fact, the, the accuracy, we, we have original manuscripts that we can compare we have over 200 original hebrew documents over a thousand greek something like twenty thousand uh pages uh, available to reference to ensure that the scriptures are the original scriptures and even if you if you throw those away the bible teachers of that day um you know they created they created what's called commentaries. And if you ever picked up a Matthew Henry commentary, Matthew Henry commentary, essentially, they're hu it's humongous. The re like the real Matthew Henry, it's, it's so huge. And he's from, I think, the 1500s, 1600s. And the commentary is so long because what he does is that he takes scripture and he summarizes scripture. Like, the, he just... Not summarize scripture. He'll quote the scripture directly and then comment on the quote that he just gave you. I have not read that. I have to check that out. So you haven't seen Matthew Henry commentary? Not that. Bro, that. it's the size of this table. It's so big. It's, it is a huge, huge book. And, um, you know, some of the more modern day versions, they may truncate it a little bit or break it up into different things, but it's huge. And essentially what he does is write scripture all over again and then comments on it. So that was a practice that was normal for back in the day. And if you have people, Bible teachers from back then who were uh, teaching or who were opening the, the Bible schools in areas where there wasn't mass persecution, they were creating commentaries that were very similar to what we have as far as the Matthew Henry commentary where they were quoting scripture to comment on the scripture. So you have scripture rewritten over and over and over and over again from its original versions. So you have that, but in addition to that, so you have to eliminate that first in order to have full inaccuracy. But the only differences that we have and variations that we have would be things like, you know, some of the plural, maybe some plural language. Uh, maybe there's variances in the certain words that are used for love or for, um, for colors or things like that. Um, but it is written in three languages. It's written in Hebrew, it's written in Aramaic and Greek. And, and I think we're talking about like five different continents or four different continents that scripture appears on. And so uh, it's a big deal that, um, that these things are happening and, and that it can be seen and traced back that the scripture has to be taken seriously. It's not just some fantasy book that people got together and said, hey, let's write this. And it's like a comic strip. It's 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 actual history that has been verified. Um, and so. And just why do we talk about all this stuff? I mean, we're pointing to what a lot of people debate on or a lot of people have with doubts, which is, is there one God? And that's something we always talk about in Christianity, that there's only one God. And a lot of people like throwing in, but you guys believe in one God you guys say you believe in one God, um, my mistake, but you guys actually believe in three gods. And I usually go like, what do you mean we believe in three gods? And they like throwing in, oh, you guys say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which I usually always go back to scripture and point them out that, no, that's not how it is. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but they're coexistent, co-eternal. And a lot of people usually go like, I don't really understand. And it is something of a mystery in itself, but it's something scripture clearly reveals. Scripture reveals you have, say, for example, in Isaiah, that it talks about how Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, the Father, the Everlasting Father, God. You talk about Hebrews 1-7, where it talks about God 
saying to the sun, you, O God, or we'll have in Acts, I am not entirely familiar with the, the chapter and the verse, but it talks about Acts where Peter is talking to uh, Ananias and he's saying that you have cheated or you have lied to the, you have lied to God, that the spirit is the one that told him. I believe it's Acts chapter eight. Chapter eight. I believe it's Acts chapter eight, but I could be wrong. You guys can comment. There you go. Tell comment. Us. Let us know. <laughs> but yes, we see that. We see clear indications of the, the unity, the tri-unity of God. We see, say, in the, in the beginning itself, we have made man in our image. And it's important to note, you know, some of the mysteries of God is because God created us. We didn't create God. Mm-hmm. And so in these systems that can easily identify things or in these systems that that can make changes to certain books, like uh, the Book of Mormon yep. being changed uh, and having alterations to say, oh, yeah, it's a different time period now, so we've changed this, this, and that. Scripture's not changed. But... Uh, even further back, like God himself does not change because we didn't make God. Mm-hmm. We didn't create God. If we created God, then he's not God. Simple. And it's like we've always talked about previous episodes. I haven't talked about it a lot. Mike talked, uh, touched about it in one, uh, one of the episodes, where is we're as computers. We'll never know we're computers or we'll never know our purpose in itself until the one that created us gives us purpose or reveals himself. So we'll never know our creator. We can always assume to know or create our own gods, but we'll never know who is God. And we'll, we can see throughout time that God revealed who he is. Did you, uh, so how many, did you read all the points or you still, how many the points? points? Those are all the points? Yes. It's weird because you have some of the most influential leaders out there currently that are from the atheist influence. Um, you know, like Stephen Hawking, Richard Dawkins, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He mm-hmm. seems to be a huge player now and popular, has Netflix show and all Neil kinds of stuff. Neil is getting bigger than now than, than Dawkins. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's become more popular, particularly from the young people. And and others just pushing this, in, this narrative to eradicate God from existence without any kind of substance. They, they, they'll have some arguments that point in a certain direction. And they may say some terms that seem very intellectual and for the common person, it's very difficult to follow. And most of us really won't even do the research. Most of us won't even bother turning off the TV for a few days and meditating on this on this assertion or doing research uh, for a week saying, hey, I got to research what this dude is saying. Is he legit? Like what's happening? Boom, 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 boom. We wouldn't even take the time to do that. Because we're so caught up on Facebook. Yep. We're so caught up on watching YouTube videos on people fighting or like nonsense, stupid things. That life, there is so much to life right now. There's so much that we need to step up our game. Like I think people are so distracted. Students are so distracted with this pressure of having to find the perfect job. And so they go to universities and they're getting all these promises of what they're going to get if they go to the university. And it's horse crap half the time. And and they're exhausted. And their their mind is all warped. And they have to come back to a certain sense of reality where we need time to just meditate on, man, what is life? What is all these claims that these people are telling me? And when you stop to really think at how the information is delivered, it, it's... There's so many logical fallacies associated with it that it all stems from people getting paid. People just getting paid. I know I know that in a lot of circles, people have been um, they've been done wrong by certain churches, certain pastors have done people wrong, um, particularly from a financial standpoint. Uh, people have seen, have been uh, fallen to greed, and uh, they've been taken advantage of. They've, uh, as scripture talks about, the itching ear. So the preacher teaching them what they want to hear, taking advantage of the people, and um, 
and it's sad, it's burdensome, and um, it's unfortunate. But the interesting part about that is the people who claim to have to hold on to a relativistic standpoint, the people who claim to be atheists, you assume that they're telling you the truth, and you assume that they're not lying to you or trying to take your money. That's yep. what you assume because you have a moral framework by which you are assuming that. Innately, you believe that this person is telling me facts and this person is not lying to me. But when you have somebody like a Neil deGrasse Tyson, a lot of information that he's bringing, banging. Yo, mm -hmm. crazy tight some of the things he's saying. You can't knock a lot of the research that he's bringing. But once he starts to dive into the philosophical realm, he starts to talk things that are not true. And, and we tend to, to not question it because we tend to really believe that this dude is telling me the truth. He's, he te we tend to believe that he doesn't have an ulterior motive. We tend to believe that he's not feeding us poison, which generally poison, if you're going to kill a rat, you're going to kill anything else is going to be mostly food or mostly nutrients with a little bit of poison to kill you. We're assuming that the devil is not real. We're assuming that he's not out to consume us like a roaring lion. So we see a dude with a title on his name. He's got a couple letters. He's done some research. He's got some fame. And we assume everything he's saying is truth. Interesting thing about that is the people that would follow that person would question scripture and say scripture was written by man. I can't believe that because it's written yep. by man. But everything you believe in contrary to that is also written by man. But you're raising this man to be up to be deity. Just because he has a title or a degree or And that person's information, standard. that person's data has not overcome time space, has not undergone the, the, the testing of time over the centuries. Yep. Analyzed and scrutinized by millions. He hasn't done that. That hasn't happened yet. Scripture has. Scripture's been tested. Scripture's been scrutinized by millions. Some of the most famous people ever. Alexander the Great and, and all kinds of warriors and soldiers. And talking about, um, you know, throughout all of history. Just start thinking of people and naming people. They've come in contact with Scripture. Scrutinized. Read. Tested. And even the atheists, the people who are atheists, yeah, you know what, man, scripture, I gotta, I gotta admit, it's, it's valid and, and all the, but I'm just not gonna, I choose not to believe that. Give me that. I'd rather you give me that. I'd rather you be real. Give me that. Say, yo, you know what? I did my research. I did this and that. And, and philosophically, uh, from a, from a, from all my research, from history and all that stuff, it's all legit. It's for real. I just can't come to believe it because I really love what I do. I really love my sin. I really can't vibe with the repentance piece of this. But everything he's saying, I see it. I see there's a fallen people. I see that I myself am fallen, but I just can't vibe with that. I'd rather you give me that. And I'd rather you tell me that up front than to try to lie to me and say, oh, this book isn't real. Believe or me. Downplay follow all the me. Facts that's going yeah, on. come on, fam. Oh, man, I'm, I'm heated right now. <laughs> it's a lot of things. And why we continuously say that or why we describe who is God, it's important to know who is God. We go to church and we say we love God. A lot of Christians, I, I hear that all the time. We love God. But yet, just like it speaks about John, if you love God or if you truly know God, you love God. And if you really love God, you obey God, which touches upon a lot of things. So... Just, just knowing God in itself, we start reducing our doubts. Even though we can always talk about, I mean, I can be, for example, and say sometimes I doubt a little bit about certain things, but I always take the time to ask for the Spirit to reveal it to me. Like, Because God is a mystery. We'll never know entirely who is God. And doubt happens. You know, I think there's this false impression that as a Christian, you're a super person you flex muscles and you don't commit errors and yep. that's wrong that's all fake that we're not we're not pagans the pagan practices 
uh, put that kind of pressure on Christianity or the religious leaders or any religion that you see nowadays. Right. They they put that on Christianity as a standard, but but Christ didn't put that on. Christ didn't put that on at all. In fact, as Paul is writing letters to the churches, he's writing letters to churches that are messing up and he's Mm -hmm. still calling them believers. He's still calling them Christians. He still says you are part of the way. So, you know, talking to churches that are doing all kinds of craziness and even some of the things that we shout out on here, you know, when we talk about false doctrine, we talk about uh, congregations taking advantage of people and all, all, all that stuff. It doesn't necessarily disqualify them from the reality that they are believers in Christ and they are repentant believers daily. And you, you can't assume that they're not believers. Mm-hmm. And we can't assume that we're not going to make mistakes because we do. Every day we mess up. So we, we don't put that kind of pressure on ourselves. If you truly believe the gospel, you believe yourself to be a fallen individual that needs Jesus. And he's the one who is sanctifying you, changing you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Not that we live in perfection. Whereas you have Gandhi where he says, you know, I would, be, I would believe in your redeemer if, if you look more redeemed. If the Christians look more redeemed. I like Christ, but I don't like his Christians. Well, then you don't like Christ if you don't like his Christians. Because the reason why he came was for fallen people. He didn't come for nice people that look good, who are morally upright. He came for the broken. He came for broken people. He told told these people, man, you know, if if you're good, if you're good, I ain't come for you. So keep doing your thing if you really believe that you don't need repentance. Keep doing your thing. But I'm telling you that... We dig deeper than just what you do. We're talking about in the heart, in the mind. What are your intentions? Um, Christ steps up the game and everyone falls short of God's glory. Everyone falls short of God's glory. All of us. And none of us uh, can, can go before God. And even Isaiah, when he saw the glory of God, he was like, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. This is a dude who's a prophet. This is a dude who... Who's walking around. He's the religious type. He's that dude. He's the one who's probably scolding people for not making sacrifices and doing all this stuff. He's one of the ones that's putting pressure on people because they're not doing things, every, you know, everything that's right. He's before the presence of God and he's like, I am a man of unclean lips. He sees his sin. He sees how dirty he is in need of grace and salvation. And we are all like that. So all these religions, all these worldviews that try to put all this false pressure on Christianity saying, oh, well, you know, you're not like the Redeemer. I'm not like the Redeemer. We only have one Redeemer. He is redeeming me. He's transforming me. He is is showing me something different. he's, He's... He's the one doing the work in me. I'm not worthy. If you can't follow him because you're like, oh, but you're a horrible example of Christ, then follow Jesus. Then don't look at me. Look at Christ. Then if that if that's your burden, that you're like, oh, Mike messes up all the time, then look at Christ because yep. he's saving me. I'm not perfect. I have not obtained perfection. I'm working to it, but, man, I mess up all the time. It's Jesus. He is the one. He is. He sacrificed himself so that we may have access to God, so that we might have a relationship with God, so that we might be counted worthy enough to, to not experience his wrath. It doesn't mean I'm living a lifestyle of perfection so that I can boast. <laughs> Paul said I can't boast, man. It's nothing. You can boast in the cross. You can boast in Jesus. I can't boast in me. So the, that's a whole flip. That's a whole different you just have this whole world turned upside down because the mindset of the world is that you're Christian, you're goody two-shoes. You're Christian, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're walking in, in total uprightness. You're Christian, you're doing everything right. And it's like, I'm Christian now, and the bad I want to do, I don't. I, the bad I don't want to do, man, dude, the reality is that I still be doing it sometimes, and I don't want to. And the good I want to do, let me tell you, I don't do it. And it's not that I don't want to do it. Man, I want to do it. I'm just clinging on to Jesus because only he can make me perfect. I cannot on my own effort. That's what makes Christianity different. And just to summarize everything, we have God. There's only one God. God is three in one or a trinity. God is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He's sovereign. He's holy. He's just. He's righteous. He is love. 
just like Mike was explaining to you, he'll love us regardless of anything that we did. Because when he died, it was finished. Contrary to what people think they can do or uphold. God is infinite and eternal. He did not have a beginning. I mean, we were talking about this in the beginning. What was that statement you told me? Technically. Oh, yeah. So uh, I got to look it up real quick. So I'll say it. I'll let G do his rundown. I'm going to look it up real quick. But technically, the term in English exists comes from a Latin word to come out of. And so if the question is, did God exist? Technically, based on the term, God didn't come out of anything. He always was. We came out of when he said let there be light let there be life when he spoke the world into existence then we came into existence because we came out of the command of god we came out of somewhere god always existed so to say that's even a contrary term because to say he existed definition wise it's it's incorrect because he didn't come out of anything he always was so you kind of stand in this place where you're, you put your tongue in the back of your mouth or you put your tail between your legs or whatever because you're like, I, I don't know how to answer that because he is. So when Jesus said, I am. That means he's always been. Dude, yo, just I want to run around this garage right now, fam. Like, he always was. So there's no other explanation. And, and that's when, why they wanted to stone him. And when, and when God was talking to Moses and he said, well, who should I tell send me? Before he said Yahweh, before he, 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 he added a name, he gave himself a description. He said, tell him I am sent you. And he's like, I am? What are you talking about? I am. Because he can't point to anything else. He's just like, um, the one who always was. I mean, there's not. I can't compare myself to anything. What am I going to compare myself to? The one who's like him? The one who's like you? No, because I am, baby. I always was. The Ancient of Days. We always try to put terms or limitations to God. That's that's the problem, really. Or the, what we create doubts is we always try to put our what we're under, our laws, or what we're subjugated to, we try to put it on God himself. But, you know, because God, when he communicates to us, because he's so above us, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, we're not God. Right, G's naming attributes. He's going to continue naming attributes, but all the attributes that we have, some he shares with us, like love, yes, and so forth. Some he doesn't share with us that are exclusively his. So the omnipresence, omni, om, omniscience, and all those good things uh, are things that are only belong to him. Um, but when he speaks to us, he speaks in anthropomorphic language, which means he has to dumb it down for us to understand because we're not God. We'll never understand it. And yes, I just looked it up. The word exists comes from the Latin word existo or existir, which means to stand forth or come forth, come out of, arise. So you have to be somewhere previously or something has to be previous to you in order for you to exist. So there always has to be a beginning and so when we say God exists, I guess technically we can say God didn't, it doesn't Always exist. Was. <laughs> he just was, baby. Like, come I on am. now. <laughs> I am. Like, what's going on? Crazy. Mind blown. And then continuing on, God is immutable. He does not change as we were talking about. He is consistent. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus became a man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus was sinless. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Humans were created by God in the image of God. That's what we were talking about, the natures of God we share. Right. And then all people have sinned. Sin separates us from God. Jesus died for our sins for each and every person in the world. Jesus' death was a substitutionary sacrifice. But he resurrected from the dead, showing and revealing his power over death and who he is. Salvation is a free gift of God. The Bible is inspired as we see, like we were talking about earlier. And that Jesus will return to the end and create a final 
judgment to all the world. He creates a new heaven and earth, and we shall coexist with him in the end. Dang, G. That was a lot. That's a whole lot to fit in. I mean, and I think the primary thing that we have to focus and we have to remember is God is holy. Yep. That's a huge thing. Like, it's not just an attribute of God. It's who he is. He's holy. He is set apart. God, his character is perfect. He's without sin, without flaw. He's good. And it's interesting how when we put God on trial, we are non-holy beings putting a holy God on trial, saying that he kills or he allows suffering or he causes suffering. So we put him on trial because we realize there is a morality that we are confined under as the created. So you guys don't do things to each other. But as the creator, I can take you out. I can eliminate you. I can pull you away from this existence because I am creator. It's weird. Mm -hmm. It's very weird. And we try to put the blame on the creator because of the creation's fault. And even things where we believe and we say, oh, this person, you know, they were innocent. And, you know, how can you take innocent lives and all of that? And scripture is pretty clear that. Uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, everyone, the voice you hear, he falls short. G, me, your pastor, um, uh, everyone, everybody, come on, everyone. Whoever calls himself, you know, he goes to your church and he says, I'm apostle, whoever, he falls short of God's glory, man. He needs, he no needs Christ. Perfect. No one's perfect. Um, and so, so none is good. None can claim to be good. None can go before God and not be tried and be judged. Only by God's grace can, does he show mercy on those whom he chooses to show mercy. He is holy. So as creator, he doesn't get put on trial. Creation can get put on trial because he yep. created you with a certain purpose. And when you, you know, pee on that, hey, you're on trial, baby. Like, what, what, what else do you want? He's holy. And... And, you know, knowing that he's holy, it's interesting because his holiness, he shares with us through his spirit, through yep. the person of Jesus, through giving us the ability to relate to Christ as our holy representation, even though we're not holy. So, I mean, I think we've gone pretty long. Uh, we'll definitely have to go into part two. So you can expect next week, who is God, part two, or actually, does God exist? Or, you know what? God doesn't exist. Boom. Oh, Latin words, <laughs> baby. We're using Latin words up in here. Um, so next week, I think we'll, we'll need to just uh, dive a little bit deeper into the go topic. But we'll, we'll talk about different things, maybe talk more about the attributes of God, what that means, what that looks like, what are some of the, the conflicting discussions around that and uh and even as we had addressed the problem of evil before Touch why yeah why does god exist in light of the fact that there's evil and all mm -hmm. that good stuff so yeah we'll, we'll keep touching on this topic uh and i think it's very necessary man that conversation hurt my head i'm beyond <laughs> but i felt like we talked about, about nothing I and yet it was like 60 minutes physically we spoke about nothing and yet we went an hour so Next week, got to do part two. Uh, if necessary, we go to part three, part four, part five. What? Jesus. Uh, Holy Spirit just moving us. Um, no, we'll, we'll, I think, you know, even at this point, we could probably even bring in special guests and so forth if necessary. Uh, but we want to be very clear as to the position we hold and, uh, and, and, and bringing uh, the proper uh, thoughts behind this topic yep. uh, without maybe being too preachy even, you know, mm -hmm. just trying to have casual conversation. Uh, to the listeners so um, check out matthewmovement.com our sponsors where would you believe visit matthewmovement.com they are helping to support our initiative uh, funding our promotional efforts uh, if you want to help with our promos if you want to help push and you like the message that you hear please 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 hit us up at proofbeyondreason at gmail.com we definitely uh we won't suffer from having uh, some good sponsors and some good people backing us. So uh, thank you in advance. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're done, man. Gee, another week, just you and me. Yep, again. Uh, I love it. 
You know, Ivan, you lost out, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hopefully Ho- he's here next week. Hopefully you're here next week. But you know what I'm saying? Me and G holding it down. Um, but uh, but one love to everyone, man. Um, uh, follow G. He's got his geology thing going on. So follow Geologyblog.com. him. Do that. Follow him. Read all his articles and everything that he's writing and he's doing. Uh, we love you, man. Talk to you soon. <laughs>